0: We are um, on Lesson 7 of Christian Formation, and um, hope that these have been uh, an encouragement to you. Today we're looking at faith, and uh, this is actually the second, uh, the second of three lessons on the subject of faith. If you remember, um, we, we've shared a few things that are absolutely uh, essential in regard to faith. First of all, faith is necessary to please God. Uh, hebrews eleven six. 6 without faith it is impossible to please god secondly we learn that faith is foundational that is that everything else builds on faith and second peter uh peter writes that to your faith you need to add and then he gives us a long list of spiritual qualities that we add to faith but again the, the the key is that faith is the foundation piece upon which everything else is built so we need to get that right thirdly we talked about the, the fact that saving faith is only the beginning. A lot of people come to Christ, they accept Christ as their Savior, but they never go any further than that. So, Scripture teaches that the just live by faith. They're not just saved by faith, they need to learn to live that way as well. And then fourthly, we talked about the fact that Jesus was actually concerned that when he returned, he said, when the Son of Man comes back, will there even be faith on the earth? In other words, he was concerned that faith would diminish before his coming. I also talked to you about the the Greek uh, word pistis, which is the word for faith, and, and it literally means the conviction of the truth of anything. That is, any firmly held conviction or belief is is faith, but now when we come into the, the biblical notion of faith or the New Testament idea of faith, it is the conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God in divine things. Um, so, so faith takes on in scripture um, a, a spiritual connotation. In relationship to God, it is the conviction that God exists, that he is the creator of everything, uh, that he is the provider, and he is the bestower of eternal salvation. Faith believes that God provides salvation in Christ, and then in relationship to Christ, Faith is a strong and welcome conviction that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation. So faith uh, has a focus on God, a focus on Christ, but it is that strong, absolute conviction. I also shared with you In in the last lesson, the faith has to have a basis, something that it is rooted in or grounded in. And that basis is the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What the Bible says about Jesus, what the Bible says about God, what the Bible says about us, as a matter of fact, is biblical um, truth. It is fact upon which we need to root or into which we need to root our faith. The biblical definition of faith is Hebrews eleven one. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, the word substance in the Greek is an active word. It is faith is substantiating the things we hope for, substantiating the biblical facts of God's word and making them reality in my life. We talked about some of those things that we substantiate. For instance, a biblical fact. Is that God will never leave me or forsake me? That's a fact, whether we believe it or not. Faith substantiates that fact in my life. When I feel lonely, faith says the fact of God's word is He never leaves me or forsake me, and I'm going to allow that to become reality and experience in my life. It may be um, that that uh, we feel like we're no good, we fail too often, and and uh, we're a sinner. God doesn't love us, but when we by faith substantiate the fact, the biblical fact that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that's what faith does. It substantiates biblical facts. Now let's let's move on to some new material. Uh, first of all, true faith is always uh, seen in the Bible as actively trusting God. When Paul was called into ministry, Um, he was called by God God promised to be with him and Paul said "I, I was called to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect Christ called Paul he went in faith believing that God would honor that faith and God did in fact honor that faith Paul said that he planted that is he spread the gospel he taught the gospel Apollos watered that and then God gave the increase. He did that so that neither the one that plants or the one that waters is anything, but God gives the increase. In other words, Paul went uh, actively doing what God called him to do by faith, um, but he was actively trusting that God would do what God had said he would do. It's a really interesting text in Psalm 126 uh, that says, Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Sometimes we are obedient in faith, and it's hard for us to do it. It creates tears. It, it's, it's sorrowful. But if we will do that by faith and obedience, ultimately we will reap the joy of the Lord. I want to share with you a story, and um, I'm just going to read it to you. Del Tar, who was a Assemblies of God missionary for many years in West Africa, he wrote this story. He said, I was always perplexed by Psalm 126 when I went to the Sahel, which is the vast stretch of Savannah, more than 4,000 miles wide, just under the Sahara Desert. In the Sahel, uh, all the moisture comes in a four-month period, May, June, July, and August. After that, not a drop of rain falls for eight months. The ground cracks from dryness, so do your hands and feet. The winds of the Sahara pick up the dust, and they throw it thousands of feet into the air. It then comes slowly drifting across West Africa as fine grit. It gets inside of your mouth, inside of your watch, causes your watch to stop. This year's food, of course, must all be grown in those four months, May, June, July, and August. People grow sorghum or Milo in the small fields. October and November, these are beautiful months, Delta writes. The granaries are full, The harvest has come. People sing and dance. They eat two meals a day. The sorghum is ground between two stones to make flour and then a mush with the consistency of yesterday's cream of wheat. The sticky mush is eaten hot. They roll it into little balls between their fingers. They drop it into a bit of sauce and then they pop it in their mouths. The meal life's heavy on their stomachs so they can sleep. December comes and the granaries start to recede. Many families omit the morning meal. Certainly by January, there's not one family in 50 that's still eating two meals a day. By February, the evening meal diminishes. The meal shrinks even more during March, and children succumb to sickness. You can't stay well on half a meal a day. April is the month that haunts my memory, he writes. In it, you hear the babies crying in the twilight. Most of the days are passed with only an evening cup of gruel. Then inevitably it happens. A six or seven-year-old boy comes running to his father. One day with sudden excitement, Daddy, Daddy, we've got grain, he shouts. Son, you know we haven't had grain for weeks. Yes, we have, the boy insists. Out in the hut where we keep the goats, there's a leather sack hanging up on the wall. I reached up and put my hand down in there. Daddy, there's grain in there. Give it to Mommy so she can make flour, and tonight our tummies can sleep. The father stands motionless. Son, we can't do that, he softly explains. Because that's next year's seed grain. It's the only thing between us and starvation. We're waiting for the rains, and then we must use it. The rains finally arrive in May, and when they do, the young boy watches as his father takes the sack from the wall and does the most unreasonable thing imaginable. Instead of feeding his desperately weakened family, he goes to the field, and with tears streaming down his face, he takes the precious seed and throws it away. He scatters it in the dirt. Why? because he believes in the harvest the seed is his he owns it he can do anything he wants with it the act of sowing it hurts so much that he cries but as the african pastors say when they preach on psalm 126 brothers and sisters this is god's law of the harvest don't expect to rejoice later on unless you've been willing to sow in tears And I want to ask you, how much would it cost you to sow in tears? I don't mean just giving God something from your abundance, but finding a way to say, I believe in the harvest, and therefore I will give what makes no sense. The world would call me unreasonable to do this, but I must sow regardless in order that I may someday celebrate with songs of joy. You see, biblical faith, true faith, is always actively trusting God. I will sow my faith. I will... I will give to the Lord. I will walk in obedience. I will do what he has said because I have a firm conviction that he will honor that faith. Secondly, let me say, it's not the size of your faith, but it's the size of him in whom you place your trust. Remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we want our faith to be bigger. Increase our faith. Um, but, But the question is, can our faith really get bigger? Is that really what it's all about? Now, we'll talk about this a little bit more in the third lesson of this lesson on faith. But if you read 1 Kings chapter 18, that's that showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal, trying to get their God to respond, they scream and they holler and they cry and they cut themselves and, and they pray all day long. And Elijah kind of uh, jokes with them and says, Hey, maybe your God's on vacation, maybe he's asleep. And uh, But nothing happens. But then Elijah steps up, he builds the altar, repairs the altar of the Lord, he puts the bowl on the altar... He douses it with 12 barrels of water, and then he prays 63 words, and fire consumes the sacrifice. You see, the strength of belief was not what mattered to the prophets of Baal. It was the lack of the strength of the object of their faith that was the reason for their failure. They had lots of belief, and boy, they worked hard, and they screamed, and they were extremely active. But the problem was the source, the one that they were praying to. The, the object of their faith had no power. It was Baal. It was a false god. And Elijah, without showmanship, without any um, uh, preparatory um, bells and whistles, he steps up, he prays, and God consumes the sacrifice. The strength of belief was not what mattered. The prophets of Baal believed strongly, but it was the lack of the strength of the one to whom they prayed. Elijah prayed to Yahweh, and Yahweh came through. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Notice also that faith in your faith is a weak faith, because it's a faith that is susceptible to your own weakness. If you believe in your ability to believe, or your ability to get the formula right, or your ability to, to, to conjure up the blessing of God, or if you believe in your ability to, to stir up the heavens and get God to work, then the problem is it's all dependent upon your faith, and when it's weak, you won't see God work. Only faith in God is a strong faith, because he never changes. He does not ebb and flow. There is no variableness nor shadow of turning with him. Jesus never taught, believe in yourself. He didn't say, have great faith in your own faith. He said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. When Peter walked on the water, as long as he was focused on Jesus, he stood. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he faltered. It, or Oswald Chambers, excuse me, says faith is sure of itself. Faith that is sure of itself is not faith. Faith that is sure of God is the only faith there is. You see, faith is not strengthened by striving after faith, but by learning to rest in the faithful one. I don't know how to swim, never learned how to swim. And the biggest reason is I don't trust the water to hold me up. I don't have any faith that that water can hold me up. I can tell myself and I can, you know, I I can repeat it in my head. But unless I will lay down in that water and trust it, I will never swim. Same thing if you want to take an afternoon nap in the hammock. um, Don't think that, that that's going to be comfortable unless you just... Give yourself to that hammock. If you fight it, you're going to end up turning the hammocks over and falling over. So faith isn't strengthened by striving after faith, but by trusting in the faithful one. Faith in our faith or in ourselves is weak because it falters at times, but faith in Jesus Christ is strong, uh, even if it's just a small mustard mustard seed of faith. Number three, true faith is not blind let me just mention this real quickly. Uh, it's not blind faith. So what does faith see? Well, faith does not see circumstances. It does not see our own weaknesses. It doesn't see our lack. But instead, it sees character. It sees eternity. It sees the faithfulness of God. It sees His love and goodness. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, our outward man is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed day by day. While we look at the things which are not seen, because the things which are seen, they're temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So faith focuses on the unseen, on the eternal, and that is what makes it strong. And then finally, and then we'll pick up a few more things next week, but number five, true faith leaves the details and the solutions of all of life's problems up to God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Um, Oswald Chambers said, Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I'm visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. If your faith is in your faith, then it's never going to happen. Faith leaves the details to a God that it trusts. Faith says, God, I trust you. I'm going to lay down in this hammock or I'm going to float in this water. I'm not going to try to fix it all. I'm just going to trust you. Job said, "Though he slay me, yet will I serve him." Hebrews eleven thirteen said that there were many that died in faith, not having received the promises, but they saw them afar off. Um, Adoniram Judson, who was a pioneer missionary to Burma, waited six years before he saw the first convert. But he kept working. He kept trusting in God, and eventually his faith was rewarded. By the time of his death, there were over 210,000 believers in Burma. But it's because he left the results to God. For years he labored without the results, but he left them to God, and ultimately God blessed him. Faith is learning to rest and trust in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. That is true and biblical faith. Thank you.